you, Thomas. Good, good. How are we doing? Great. Tis Advent season. Wow. December 3rd. And uh, Pam, uh, she got, she got, even she's, she's every year she's crazy excited about Christmas. This year she got excited even earlier. <laughs> Basically all of our Christmas shopping is done. That's like never happened in our lives. 30 and a half years has never happened. But uh, anyways... Excited for Christmas. Anybody else excited for Christmas coming? Love this season. But as we uh, as we move into Advent, um, as as was read at the beginning of the service, Advent has from from very early in Christian history, the history of the church, Advent has been a time not just uh, of celebrating the nativity, the birth of Jesus. In fact, early on, it, was, it wasn't even about that. It was about looking forward to his return. And, and then it also got mixed in and became also about celebrating his, his birth, his nativity, his first coming. And so we, we celebrate those things together. Um. And, uh, and following the, the traditional um, themes of Advent, we, uh, we ha lit the first candle, the candle of hope. And so today we're, we're, we're looking at the subject of hope. But our, our, our Advent theme this year is the King, the King has come. The King has come. Our world is desperate for hope, even though it probably doesn't know it. Our world is desperate for hope. The rise in mental health crises in the last few years, the rise in fear and despair, people are longing and looking for a reason to keep going, a reason for hope, desperately grabbing for, grasping for some kind of light in the darkness. And of course, we believe that that reason to hope that they're looking for is Jesus, right? Today's, today's message is entitled, and each of our messages these four weeks, these four Sundays, are lines taken from Christmas carols. And here is one Come thou long-expected Jesus. Now, I don't know if we're going to do this every week. But, uh, but this week, I actually want to take you through the, all the lyrics of this song. And I, I'm going to sing it at you, just for fun. But as, as, and it might be, it's an older hymn, so, so it might not be one that's familiar to some of you. But as you read it and hear it, let the words sink in all right come thou long expected jesus 
born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in thee israel's strength and consolation hope of all the earth thou art dear desire of every nation joy of every longing heart born thy people to deliver born a child and yet a king born to reign in us forever now thy gracious kingdom bring by thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone by thine all-sufficient merit raise us to thy glorious throne it's not why i sang it god's god's answer to earth's troubles Troubles of sin, trouble of death, the trouble of war and hatred, the trouble of economic and environmental woes, all of it, God's answer is a new order led by a new king. God would send a savior and just by his birth, he would bring the eternal realm of heaven into our earthly dimension. God came to earth. By his death on the cross for the sins of humanity, he would remove the barrier of sin. And by his resurrection from the dead, he would simultaneously overturn death and decay and inaugurate this new kingdom of resurrected sons and daughters that would one day rule with him when his kingdom is complete. The Savior, this King, and this plan had been announced long ago and had been long awaited. And this morning we're going to trace, we're going to trace the promise through the scriptures. The faithful people of God held on to this promise for almost 2,000 years from its first prophetic announcement until the arrival of the king in Bethlehem that night. Those people, the people of Israel, were a people of hope. Hope kept them going. Hope kept them trusting. Hope kept them waiting in times when, when things were dark and difficult. 
And one major reason this morning that we want to trace this promise through the scriptures is because we, we need to understand the anatomy of hope. We need to understand hope because we were made a promise too, 2,000 years ago. That this same king who came and died and rose again, he promised that he would return. And when he did, his kingdom would come in all of its fullness. And we too need to know how to hope and trust and wait. And so let's start by taking a look at the, the very first promise of the king that was to come. We find it in the first book of scripture, Genesis chapter 49. And I'm going to read a, a couple verses before verse 10 that you see up there. But it says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. The name Judah actually means praise. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. So the rest of Israel will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares rouse him? Now, pause there. The last book of the Bible says Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Right? And so that this, this prophecy that began in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible tells us that it's, its fulfillment is coming, right? So it goes on to say, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Now let's, can you say with me, he to whom it belongs? He to whom it belongs. We need to remember that phrase because it's going to come at us again later. So the scepter, the ruler's staff will not depart from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come. And the obedience of the nations shall be his. So this promise was spoken 1800 years before Jesus was born by Jacob who also became known as Israel, right? He was the father of the 12 men from whom the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel would come. And as Jacob or Israel was preparing for his death, he spoke prophetic words over each of his 12 sons. And these words were spoken over Judah who indeed became the ancestor of the kingly line of David in Israel. Jacob says that the scepter would be held in trust by the descendants of Jacob until he to whom it belongs shall come. Then about 500 years later, fast forward 500 years, there's a character named Balaam. 
Balaam was a prophet hired by Balak, the king of Moab, to pronounce a curse over the Israelite camp. And Balaam takes the money from Balak and tries to do as he was paid to do, but a prophetic declaration comes out of his mouth blessing Israel instead of cursing them. Right? And these words are the words that come out of his mouth. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. There is a king coming, he foretells. Right? Then another three or four hundred years goes by. And David, a descendant of Judah, actually does become king. God gave the prophet Nathan a prophetic message for David at the beginning of his reign. And in it we see the the complexity. Sometimes understanding prophecies in the Old Testament can be challenging because there are layers. They're given usually very poetically and there are layers of meaning, right? And so as we read through this prophetic word that's given to David, we're going to see some, some complexity. Because sometimes the prophecy speaks about David's son, his direct offspring, Solomon. Sometimes it's referring to the whole line of kings that would come from from Solomon and beyond. And sometimes it's referring to the great king that is to come. Right? So, it says, When your days, David, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. So, In that phrase, he's talking about Solomon. Solomon's going to succeed him. But usually when the Bible talks about offspring or seed, it's not just talking about the one person, but it's talking about the line, right? Well, raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. Now, we've got a double meaning beginning to happen here. We've got a shift. Solomon built a temple, yes. But Jesus built a temple. The body of Christ, the church. And we we have a shifting happening here. He will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, Solomon didn't sit on the throne. He died. So we've got a shift that's happened here. We'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. And now we've moved fully to talk about Jesus, the king. Right? I will be his father and he will be my son. Then he says, when he does wrong, now we've shifted again. Right? Did Jesus ever do wrong? 
No. So it's talking about the kingly line again, that God's deal, God deals with that kingly line of Israel. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now, is there an earthly king in Jerusalem right now? No. But God said that his, king, his, his throne and his kingdom would remain forever. Right? Jesus comes in the line of Judah, in the line of David, and he takes up that throne, and he, the, the king that night, entered into this world, and he claimed that rightful throne and has been ruling forever, right? Will rule forever. All right, so we jump ahead again, 250 years. Get in our time machine, jump ahead again, 250 years. Isaiah puts more flesh on the bones of the prophecy for us with his words about who this king will be. You know these words. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Now, when is it a big deal? I mean, there were, there were probably hundreds, if not thousands, of Jewish babies born every day. When is it a big deal that a child is born to a nation? When that child is a prince, right? Or a princess. But in that culture, it was just the prince. Sorry, ladies. Right? When it was, the prin when it, when it was a prince. So that's what this is talking about. When, what, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. He's going to rule. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Ooh. If you're a good Jew, you don't ever call anyone, even the king, Mighty God. That's blasphemy, unless he is. Right? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Around the same time, that Isaiah lived and ministered and preached. Another preacher was preaching. His name was Micah. And we have these words from a prophecy that he gave. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old from ancient times. So Micah is looking forward to a king who will come whose beginnings are from ancient times. Right? 
get back in our time machine and jump another 200 years. And Ezekiel gave this prophecy during the reign of the last king of the nation of Judah. The last earthly king of the nation of Judah. Zedekiah, who was ruling when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. You profane and wicked prince of Israel, ouch, whose day has come, whose time of punishment has reached its climax. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Take off the turban, remove the crown. It will not be as it was. The lowly will be exalted and the exalted will be brought low. A ruin, a ruin. I will make it a ruin. The crown will not be restored until he to whom it rightfully belongs shall come. To him I will give it. Wow. So why this long walk through history? Because we see that God had a plan. And he was consistently encouraging his people with this promise again and again and again. As we said last Sunday, if you were here. God had a plan that through Abraham and the nation that he would raise up from his offspring... God had a plan to make a way for all the nations of the world to be brought back to him. Right? Is it any wonder then that God chose to use Gentiles from a foreign land to shed light on the very moment when these promises were kept and fulfilled? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. By the way, King Herod was not a legitimate king of Israel. Um, he wasn't even Jewish. He was from a, a, a people group called the Idumeans. He wasn't Jewish, but he claimed the title for himself. That he was the king of the Jews. But when he hears this news. He gets riled. Right? Magi came from the east. To Jerusalem. Probably Persians. Advisors to the king of Persia. Come from the east. Came to Jerusalem and asked. Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews. Right? Big slap in the face to Herod. Because he was not born king of the Jews. He grasped that title. Right? But where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The king had come to bring the kingdom rule of God to earth. 
everything was about to change. Amen? Everything was about to change. Hope had been answered by a promise kept, and the most unlikely people noticed. Right? But an old, old man named Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple one day when Joseph and Mary happened to be there making a sacrifice after Jesus' birth. And he says these words, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Hope had been realized. So what does hope look like for us today? Hope is an important word in the Bible, a very significant Bible word. It talks about waiting in anticipation and patient faith for something that has been promised. A glimmer of light that keeps you going in the darkness. Imagine, imagine that you lived in France during World War II and the Nazi occupation that was happening in France. It had been completely occupied by, by Nazi Germany since 1940. It's 1944, and all you've known for four years is the terror and oppression of the Nazi regime. At night, the Gestapo come and drag people out of their houses and take them away, and no one knows where they go. The stories that you hear of the fate of those who resist the Nazis is horrific. The laws and policies of the occupying force contradict everything that you hold precious and true in life. But suddenly you hear that the allied forces have freed the next town over. And in the next few days they will be making their way towards you to push the Nazis out and free your town as well. What are you feeling when you get that news? That's what hope is like, right? There is a coming end to the darkness. We just need to patiently wait and hold on to see it manifest. So, so let's review our situation. We are living in a world that has been under occupation by the master terrorist for thousands of years. We don't always think of it that way because it's the only reality we've known and we've gotten used to it. 
But Satan and his Gestapo sow fear and terror to keep us believing that there is no way out of this reality where selfishness and hatred and pride and greed have enveloped us in an oppressive darkness that keeps us often hurting one another just to survive. But the truth is that into this deep darkness one night in Bethlehem came a king surrounded by a host of heaven's armies shouting the war cry, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. We're going to talk more about that peace next week. But because of the miracle of that night, because of the miracle of the cross, because of the miracle of the empty tomb, we have hope. We have hope because his kingdom has come to change everything. The beginning of the end of the occupation is here. And if we bow our hearts, folks, if you and I bow our hearts to this king and choose to believe in him, choose to trust him, choose to let him be king in us, then the light and the hope of his kingdom will begin to change us from the inside out. It will change how we see the world. We will live by the culture and the values of our king and not by the world around us. We will live for the news of this kingdom to be brought everywhere. And we will have hope because we know that his kingdom is one day coming in all of its fullness to bring light and life and justice and blessing to everyone everywhere. So we wait. We wait while sickness and sorrow still seem to be the way of things in our world. We wait while temptation batters us daily. We wait while the world seems to be coming unglued. We wait while war is waged and tyrants and terrorists rage. We wait while we pray for our loved ones to turn to Christ. We wait. Waiting can feel very different depending on the reason that you are waiting. Folks, we don't wait like people in a long, agonizing lineup at the cash register on Black Friday. <laughs> waiting for the you know, just, just get me out of this, you know, madhouse. We don't wait like that. We wait not as people who see the brokenness of the world and have no hope. But we wait like boys and girls on Christmas Eve. Something amazing is coming and we can hardly sleep with expectation of what the Father has in store. 
We wait like those who know that the best is yet to come. We wait like those who have tasted the king of, kingdom of Jesus in our hearts. The freedom, the joy that we have known on this earth is just a taste of what is coming. And if that's the case, we can't wait for Jesus to bring his kingdom for good. Amen? Come, thou long expected Jesus. Let's stand. Worship team, come on up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Over the next few weeks, next three weeks, we're going to dive deeper into this thing called the kingdom of God. It's, uh, it's a mystery to some extent. The Bible tells us that the kingdom has come. It came when Jesus entered into this world and he died and rose again. His kingdom came. His kingdom is coming and his kingdom will come. Right? We're taught to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not a prayer that one day one day in the sky by and by we'll eat pie. It's not it's not Jesus let your kingdom come someday. But we're taught to Pray and work towards his kingdom coming here. Jesus walked around this world, dusty streets of Judea. And he said, the kingdom has come near. And then he demonstrated the kingdom by the things that he did. As he healed and touched people's lives. So what does it mean that this kingdom came, is coming, and will come? Well, today, it means that we can have hope. Folks, some of you are walking through difficult, challenging, grueling situations family situations, relational things, health things. What does it mean that there is hope? It means that no matter what, 
you find yourself in today, it is not the end of the story. God is at work in and through your life. And that here in this world, we will see glimpses and glimmers and pieces of that hope become reality for us. But we hold on because we know that there is coming a day when every knee will bow to the King of Kings and every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God. That word means King. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. So we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to respond for a moment by singing a song of worship to the King. Can we do that? And as we do it, folks, I encourage you, lift up, lift up your hands before the King. And as you do, lift up to him all that stuff. Jesus, King of Kings, I trust you with all of it. You're king of my life. You're king of my circumstances. You're king of it all. Majesty. Worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise.
Jesus who died. Jesus who died is now glorified. King of all kings. Jesus who died. Oh, Jesus who died is now glorified. King of all kings. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. So, Father, I thank you for sending Jesus into this world. Thank you for the promise you made 3,800 years ago to Jacob and his sons that there is coming a king who would change everything. Thank you that you held that position son of David, the king. You held it, protected it, and saved it so that one day when he came, born in Bethlehem as, as foretold, that the one to whom the scepter belonged would receive it and he would become king. Thank you that the lowly are exalted and the exalted will be brought low. That Jesus, the King born in a manger, in poverty, Jesus who lowered himself to death, even death on a cross, would be raised higher than every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. God, today we give you thanks that you are king of our lives and king of our circumstances. We give it all to you. Come and have your way in us, King Jesus. Pray that with all of our heart, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor, for that word, good word this morning. Maybe you're someone today that needs special prayer. There are times in our lives that we need someone to pray for us specifically about certain areas. I want you to remind you that God is in the house, and he's ready to minister to you. He's ready to lift up your head. He's ready to give you fresh hope. Maybe you need that special prayer today. If that is you, come. And the Breakthrough Ministry team will pray for you. Maybe you need to wait a little bit longer in the presence of the Lord today. Maybe you need renewed strength. I would encourage you to wait. If you have to go at this time, God bless you. Hope to see you again next Sunday. Have a great week.